TV Talk Machine back, episode 133. I am Jason Snell, your co-host, and across the internet from me, your host, chief TV critic at The Hollywood Reporter, Mr. Tim Goodman. Hi, Tim. Jason, we're, we're back. Boy, the 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 crunch, the summer and end of school year <laughs> crunch is already upon us. So it's going to be another tight and bright one. Yeah, it's crazy time. It's okay. We 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 can do it. You uh, had a story you posted today that I thought we could talk about a little bit, and then I've got some letters if we've got any time left over. Critics notebook piece, long think thinking think piece. It is about Netflix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And whether we uh, have some real cracks in the Netflix facade, as the headline says, or was it just a bad week? Of course, Netflix, which famously almost never cancels anything, canceled <laughs> two shows this week, The Get Down and sense We've mm-hmm. talked about both of those shows on this podcast, two of the most expensive series on the network. Maybe that has something to do with Netflix canceling them. I don't know. So what do you think? What's your take on, I've heard people comment on this both ways that it it's not uh, a big sign or that this is a sign that netflix is no longer doing their you know will pay for anything and run it forever that they're finally changing their programming philosophy a little bit yeah it was a really interesting week uh i think my piece which is long and i hope thoughtful and gets into some deep issues um rather than superficiality and just whatever um it was a really interesting week for them and I, i'm not sure what can completely be drawn but i definitely think I definitely think that the, the two things happen. They do look at ratings, which is in the past, they kind of have poo-pooed that idea. Um, in fact, I think a couple times, a, a couple of years ago, they were just, or a year ago, they were just like, whatever. Um, and they've certainly given the impression. And, that, and to me, that's the bigger thing. Like, I cover the industry, uh, I think, more than like 99% of other critics. And, you know, everybody else at the other channels, the cable channels is what I really mean. And streamers, they look at Netflix, like it's a totally unlevel playing field and they are the new death star. And they just, they just think like, God, those guys, man, it's like, I don't know, maybe how people look at the warriors. They're just like those guys, like what, like deep pockets, they can pay for everything. They don't have to just increase their U S subscribers. They can just plant a flag, you know, somewhere on the globe and get more people. <clears throat> and they're, you know, and they, in 2017, their their budget is going to be six billion dollars for content. So, um, but so for them to talk about, uh, and this was uh, Reed Hastings when he was on CNBC, right in the middle of all of this. In fact, he did an interview between the time that they canceled uh, the Get Down and then the day after they canceled um, Sense Eight. And you know, he 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 sort of talked bluntly but he's not really he's a really casual dude but he like kind of talked bluntly about like yeah we look at ratings and that was the first time uh, you could look at it and make the you know make the assumption like okay like they do have deep pockets but money does matter to them even if they have this exponentially large budget because you can't have these two shows in the get down which i think was a, a kind of expensive mess and then sense eight which was truly ambitious global project which fit them perfectly and and no one else could ever do um but if the ratings aren't there you can't just throw money at it and and think that everything's going to be fine i think at some point they have to sort of but but to even admit that was kind of like a first so that was what made this week pretty big um and at the same time the hollywood reporter did an interview with uh john landgraf he was our tv executive of the year um not shocking there 
Um, and he has a lot of really interesting things to say about Netflix and the unlevel playing field from that, his perspective, um, and wondering aloud whether like throwing money at everything is really the answer. And if you don't really curate, like I always say, how FX is the best curated network. If you don't really curate your shows and take care of your content creators, then if their shows get lost, what does that do? What does that do to you long term? So all of those percolated in the same week. And that's why I, uh, came out with that column. Yeah, I think it's funny. The two different shows. Um, so the get down, you said it. Uh, I think your actual words were an expensive mess. And I've definitely heard <laughs> that. I, I've got a, uh, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I, I actually have an industry source enough to say, <laughs> and this is not a, not a news to anybody, I think, which is corroborates your, your, uh, your story here, which was, it's kind of a mess. Like the production of it was a mess. Um, they, they, they split the first season into two pods, which Netflix hates to do, right? Yeah, they don't like to do that. Um, mm-hmm. so that like warning signs everywhere that this is, you know, I, so I got to wonder if there are internal metrics and internal feelings that are, uh, that, that we don't, we're not privy to that reveal why these shows got the ax. And it's not just ratings. It's not just, or, or whatever they call ratings. I mean, it's not even ratings, right? It's like views or time spent or completion percentages. Who knows what their internal metrics all are, right? I'd be fascinated to learn that. But, you know, maybe with a get down, it's like, look, this was really hard to get through. Um, and, you know, maybe they're not satisfied with the product. Maybe it was just so much uh, trouble to make it that it wasn't worth it for them. And that's there's opportunity cost there. Plus, they could spend that money on another show uh, in, instead that might be um, a little less of a problem. And then with Sensate, I do wonder if the rationale maybe internally was that it had this wide palette this, uh, with all of the uh, different locations and that maybe they didn't see the international level of international pickup for it that they wanted to see. Um, or maybe they just decided, look, you know, we should cut some shows that aren't performing um, and we haven't really done that very much, but let's start doing it. I, I, I'm curious because you could make the case that both of these shows have some things, not just their cost, that might explain why. I mean, like they, they went a long way before they even renewed Sensate. I got the sense that it was a little bit of a hesitant renewal the, the, the first time. Yeah, they they took them a while to um, come around to that, you know? I think that was... uh, To get that renewal took a long time, and... you get yeah. a sense that maybe they weren't entirely committed to it, and then they kind of like were like, "Well, okay," but they weren't fully behind it. And then you know, after a fairly short amount of time since it premiered, to give it the axe, you know, yeah. I, I heard from some people who are fans of Sensate who haven't gotten through the season yet because they're still they got stuff going on in their lives and they're and and it's on on the agenda. And I don't know if that's a, a legitimate argument or if that's just an excuse. But it's like it, it, when something gets the axe so quickly after the premiere, you got to feel like maybe nobody really loved it that much anyway. So they were ready to see it go. Well, it has a fiercely loyal um, uh, fan base. And yes. I'm one of them. And I think um, it really... I mean, as I said, I tweeted out the other day. I'm now I'm back to cutting back on my tweets. By the way, there's there's some news for you. All right, um, <laughs> I've just six months of basically just being annoyed by the orange beast. Yep. Uh, but I'm just now I can't do it anymore. Tweet detox. Uh, I think that uh, I, I tweeted out that like you know it's a it, this is a show that has it has issues, but hu- humanity 
uh, and kindness are, are not one of them. And it has a really um, progressive and, and lovely take on uh, the LDGQ community and the IT community. And, the, and then the whole... Well, yeah, it's Pride uh, Month, and they canceled the show that has this take Pride on it. Month, First yeah. day of Pride Month. I mean, yeah, ouch. I mean, they have a they have a trans character. Uh, they have a lesbian relationship. They have a gay relationship. There, um, everything is just uh, portrayed um, uh, on, on a more sophisticated level. Uh, it's very sexy. It's not like um, it's not done in a in a. I think it's done in a more loving and then provocative way, but it, it's still sexy as hell. And they got everybody to kind of buy into this sort of like transsexual, like I should say pansexual, actually pansexual view of people loving each other, which is really interesting and, and progressive. And I think a lot of people are going to miss that. I thought that was good. And also, you know, you can't, as I said, in my appreciation of the show, you can't, um, you you can't that show cannot work for people unless you like all of the characters. So the casting was really magnificent, and I loved all the characters. But yeah, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. It's just it's a confusing series, and for a lot of people, it was just they look they watch that pilot and they're like, well, uh, what? I can't what? And, and and for some people, they they even tried one or two and they couldn't get through to it. So yeah, I can see that the door to that show was hard. Um, and it's expensive. So I, I really think it had less to do with the creative and way more to do with the money. How much of this speculation about it is due to the fact that Netflix... Well, I got two things here. One is that Netflix keeps the numbers so close to the vest. So everybody is endlessly speculating about what their numbers are and what it all means and what, how they judge their programs. And then I also wonder how much of it is, especially in the industry, a... Um, some glee because there's been this resentment to the fact that they've been spending so much money on programming. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing too, right? I mean, there is definitely some, uh, schadenfreude here and people are also thinking <laughs> like, like in their glee, they're also saying like, Hey, it's also good to know that like, you don't have some magic fairy dust that we don't have that makes all these hits. Cause you're not giving us the numbers. We don't know. So when you actually cancel something, which is rare, we think, huh, okay, so you don't, we don't see the numbers, but that must not have done well. Mm. Um, and then when you cancel two in the same week, and then you also have some retiring series, which I call, I call retiring series, which is like Bloodline um, and Longmire, you, it sort of adds up. And then the, and then Reed Hastings, when we talked to CNBC, said that they should actually have a, they should be canceling more shows. And I think that quote got turned six ways to Sunday, but what he was saying was, you know, we need to take bigger swings and then we're, we could come up with really magical shows because and, and and but we'll miss. And then if we miss and have these higher uh, cancellation rate, it's a total weird logic. But if you have this higher cancellation rate, that means that we were really trying for something and when we hit it. It's going to be magnificent. Um, again, he was uh, he was speaking extemporaneously on that show. And I'm not sure uh, his PR people would want him to say kinda, something like that <laughs> i kind of get it though because yeah. right the, it, it's like a naturalistic kind of way of viewing it which is if you keep all the shows forever you will never have new shows and if a show has run its course or is getting a little bit old and, or is not performing or didn't catch on or yeah you took a you took a swing a big swing and it missed which i think maybe you could argue is what the get down is then you just shrug and you're like all right well we gave it a shot it didn't work out we're going to move on and rather than throw more money into this thing that didn't work out we're 
we're going to move on. I mean, like, I get it. Like, uh, Netflix is of an age where some of its originals now are going to have had a fairly long life. And at some point, those shows probably don't need to go on anymore, right? And they're going to have to deal with this. The, at some point, their budget becomes a zero-sum game where they need to kill some shows in order to produce new shows. And, you know, the, I don't think there's anything wrong with that in, in, in general. We can talk about the particulars, but, like, they were going to have to get to this point. They can't... They, like, Kimmy Schmidt is not going to go on for 15 seasons, right? Right, exactly. And then, you know, it's, it's a, it's a really weird time. You know, it's hard to me. I think part of the reason that that column was so long was because you had to put all this stuff in perspective. And I think that there is, it's just this weird combination of everything that have happened. I mean, these two cancellations, Reed Hastings talking for the first time in like a year, basically. Uh, and then John Landgraf opining that like he sees some flaws in the system. Um, and then maybe there are flowers. I mean, they just don't cancel shows. So it is, it is kind of new. And to cancel two in a row, I think that pricked up the ears of everybody like, Ooh, like what's going on? So, you know, that's exactly why I did the story. Whether it's like, I, I ended it by saying, I think it was probably just business as usual. I mean, they're, like you say, I mean, they're, they're doing it. This is, it's a business. Um, and they're definitely not in any trouble and they'll be fine going forward. But there, I, I bring up that there are issues in their programming, uh, philosophy. That Landgraf noted um, that certainly, if you if the, if by the signs that they showed by canceling these shows, it basically said yes, money does matter to us, ratings do matter to us, and those things were basically everybody in the industry said they don't matter, and that's scary. We were jealous that money and ratings don't matter to Netflix, and we found out this week that they do. Uh, times two, and so what does that mean going forward for other shows? That's that's basically what it is. It was a it was a fun little think piece about like what's going on inside there. But uh, big picture wise, I don't think that they're in uh, a whole lot of trouble. Yeah, well, a related story, and this is a tech story, but uh, they asked Reed Hastings also about um, about net neutrality <laughs> yeah, at so. the at the Code Conference, and he said basically um, it's not a problem for us anymore because we're so big and we have so many deals. And people took that again to be like, come on, man. But, you know, really what he was saying is true, which is it's not one of their top issues because they're so big that it's not going to matter to them. And net neutrality is more about the upstarts to Netflix not being able to challenge them because the bandwidth isn't given to them because it's prioritized for Netflix. But uh, but still, you know, I appreciate him being so blunt and honest about this stuff, but they are so huge that... Yeah, they they uh I I think this this from a distance I look at this and I think this is Netflix exiting the we're literally going to try everything and anything port portion of their life and into just a little bit more discipline into their decisions. But it doesn't feel like they're folding up their tent or they're like, "Oh my god, we've got to slash our budgets." It's more like maybe we should, you know, have a process by which we determine that a show didn't work and we should get rid of it because they don't seem to have had that before. Right. And, and, and you can't fault them also for thinking like a, like a regular quote unquote network or a channel because, you know, some of their biggest hits, you know, like Stranger Things and 13 Reasons Why and Making a, Making a Murder are things that were like on everybody's mind and they were streaming it and it was getting all this stuff. Those shows didn't cost a lot of money. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think when he, cause he brought up 13 reasons why, which I think, you know, well, I think it's a mistake that they want to renew it for a second season. But at the same time, uh, you know, I, I, uh, you can't fault him for saying, Hey, maybe we shouldn't be spending so much money on these two 
gigantic ones we just canceled and like spread it around. And when, I, when he says take chances, like yeah. spread a little money around to people we don't, you know, maybe they'll make a good show rather than Boz Lerman. Well, that right. The idea of like instead of I mean, there's probably a place for both the super prestige, high profile things. But you're right. They have had some big hits with things that just came out of nowhere. Like Stranger Things and Making a Murderer, and and you could pay for probably a bunch of those with the money that you spend on the Get Down, and that's not saying anything particular about the Get Down. The Get Down could have worked, could have you know it, it it sort of ended up not working, but it could have worked. They took the chance, but they might be able to place how many five more bets if with that money. I don't sure, know. yeah, and they could get five more, yeah, five more. You know, pick up pick up a couple of foreign Stranger shows, yeah. do a drama, uh-huh. do a comedy, and. Uh, and a uh, and a reality series, a doc series, something like that, like making a murder. I mean, you could spend that money in a lot of interesting ways. I don't know. Yeah, uh, they're they're so fascinating, though. I mean, Netflix. It's just like it's like a gift that keeps on giving. In terms of like what they do and how they behave and how nobody really understands them, and it's fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I totally feel for the people who are upset, especially about Sense Eight. It's yeah, uh, kind of a bad bad timing, mm-hmm. bad timing to do it, and. Um, and yeah, I just, I've had shows like this that I've loved that, that have gotten canceled after having a near, what feel like a, a near death experience of the feeling like they didn't really, like they weren't really behind it. It was <laughs> <Right>. half hearted. <laughs> and, uh, and that's sort of how this already felt to me. It was like, yeah, do, are they really into it? And clearly right. they're not. Right. It, it, that was a sign when it took a long time to renew it the first time. Yeah. Um, let's see. We don't have a lot of time left. Uh, anything else going on that we should talk about? Well, I don't think there's much, really, actually. Um, you know, it's the NBA playoffs. That's about it. Yeah, I'm I thought, about should, we, should we mention the Warriors? We should mention them, because then if something calamitous happens, then people will understand why you are uh, groaning <laughs> oh. and moaning and sad. I, 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 yeah, I actually hope nothing calamitous happens, and they just keep playing like they did on yeah. uh, a Wednesday. You would like, you would like a drama-free... NBA finals. That would, would be good not? for that would be good for my anxiety. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've got a couple of letters I can toss in here and some okay, tweets, sure. which are short. Mm-hmm. Our friend, the MVP, my Vogue on poetry, wrote to say, "I spent an hour trying to decide what to watch, and then I just gave up." I would love a TVTM app. So there you go. That's our that's our next business. Is <laughs> What's a, like a, that? Uh-huh. a what what you should watch. Tim tells you what to watch app. So we'll get right on that. It's not a bad idea. Uh, mm-hmm. Ivy from the plus six five wrote in to say ABC has a new cop, not a cop drama, <laughs> Deception, and I had to look it up. Tim, it's a cop and a magician, <laughs> <laughs> and they oh, solve God. crimes. <laughs> that is terrible. That is a terrible idea. I mean, I oh, will say God. I like Jonathan Creek. That was a good show involving a magician who solved murders, but I somehow think that this is not going to be Jonathan Creek. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, okay. Here's one from Design Geek Jess, our friend we saw at the uh, at the meetup that we did yes. back in December. Wow, it's, she's, she's surfaced. From the 415 and uh, and she says, I was hoping to have you both address an issue I'm having with Fargo this season. Well, I haven't seen it, so I can't address it. But she says, yeah. you've spoken before about the importance of the buy-in moment and I found myself nodding in agreement, but this time around I'm struggling. The buy-in moment for me came before the show started when Emmett and Cy agreed to the loan. Were they really that dumb or that desperate to not ask more questions? I don't get it. And while the show is great and entertaining, I still find myself asking, why are they in this place to begin with? Am I the only one bothered by this? What do you think? 
Oh, like why are they in the predicament that they're in? Because they didn't do research on it? Because they, they did something dumb before the, the season started. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, I I didn't have that problem with it. Hmm. I think people can... They, I, they did address it. They, they, they Briefly, they talked about not going... I think they were leveraged too much. Uh, I think they expanded too much and they were leveraged and they couldn't get a loan. So they went through these guys. That's pretty much uh, David Thewlis. That's why I think happened. Um, I could be wrong about that, but because because I didn't think about it because it didn't really bother me. But um, all right, yeah, not sure. Sorry, sorry, Jess. Yeah, I, I get that. Every now and then, the premise of something, you're like, well, wait a second. And oh, I do yeah. wonder mm-hmm. if that's you know that that's part of the narrative trickery, right? If you've got like, I don't want to show you how they got into this. Just suffice <laughs> right. it to say that yeah. they're into it. You never. And, that's always usually that's a bad sign. But yeah. Okay, this one is from Art in the four two five. It says, Legion was a unique, creative, bonkers romp unlike anything on TV, but then in the same year, Fargo Season 3 comes roaring back on all cil- cylinders. So, art b- Art's bought in. It says, literally introduces an interpretation of Prokofiev's Peter and the Wolf. The show has so many levels of subtext that Noah Hawley just gives us that one for free. Episode 6 dropped last week and took such an un- unpredictable turn, we now have to completely rethink where things might be going. I didn't think anything could top Fargo Season 2, but that conclusion may be in jeopardy. I know it's too early for final judgments, but I can't help but think Fargo will again turn out to be the show to beat this year among all the strong competition. Tim, you're going to have to make that call at some point later this year. I wonder if you have any thoughts. I suspect it's Noah Hawley all the way down. That's Art in the 425. <laughs> well, that's a, it, it, I've already thought like, wow, I mean, what a, what a, what a year. I mean, I think <laughs> other critics have been thinking about the same thing. It's like, uh, wow. Career How year. am I going to rank these? These are all, there's so many great shows. Um, it'll be really interesting to see. Um, uh, how, you know, and leftovers. Uh, I mean, some people right. might consider Twin Peaks when that's over. Who knows? I mean, there's just been tons and tons of really great stuff. Uh, Better Call Saul. What, what's going to happen? And who? Well, all these things. Um, but yeah, I think Fargo. It for me is a particularly special beast. That it was one number one in both years. In the it was out prior on my list. Um, I'm actually a couple episodes behind, so I need to catch up. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think separately, I was mostly reeling from the fact that um, I don't think there's ever going to be another season of of Fargo. So I think it's done after this. Huh? Yeah. Is that just uh, a feeling, or have, has somebody said well, something? No, uh, I, they basically said that in the, John Langraff basically said that in the you know uh, when he was talking to THR, and I was like, oh, wow, interesting, because unless he has a completely other new fangled vision for it. I don't know what'll happen. But I but again I wouldn't I wouldn't count out Noah Hawley and I think he has a particular love for Fargo. And I think season three proves that you can still carry this mm-hmm. on. But I did think at some point when I was watching this like, how do you do another one of these? <laughs> you know? Because you're now you're kind of just dropping people into sort of familiar roles. And I don't think he wants to do that. But mm-hmm. three might so three might be the max. Okay, we'll go out with this good question from Lee in the six one seven. My wife and I watched Detectorus based on Tim's recommendation and Woo-hoo. loved it. Can you recommend any other series with a similar vibe? So this is a test of our app, Tim. This is like ah, what yeah. the app would do, which mm-hmm. is, I liked this. How about that? It's, Lee can give you some more information. So says, I love how small the show was, how every main character was lovable in some way. A great break from all the anti-hero shows these days. So if you like Detectorus, mm. what next for Lee? 
Well, going way back, I would say Northern Exposure. Um, yeah, you you kind of want to create this. Well, ah, it's a good one because um, I think the ones that don't really work are even if you create a small community, um, and but if there's a murder involved, that kind of upsets the apple cart a little bit on the that kind of good vibe feeling of of a small town. Uh, you know what I. I don't know off the top of my head. I would say that it, uh, this is, I'm my friend, you know, the, my people, my friends at a- Acorn will probably love this. I would say, uh, and to be fair, I will throw in Britbox, Britbox as well. Uh, I bet you if you looked at both of those systems and trolled their shows and, you know, find out what was on there, I bet you would find similar vibes because the hmm. Brits do that really, really well. I can't off the top of my head think of an American you know, show I, that does I, that. I think the American shows that are analogs here are not ones you'd think of because they're comedies. But for me, it's like the Mike Schur shows. So um, Parks and yeah. Recreation being maybe the greatest example of. Uh-huh. I love all those characters. Um, and they're all lovable in some way, even like more than The Office where, you know, we could argue about Michael Scott being difficult sure. to watch. But mm-hmm. Parks and Rec is a, you know, those people are great. And 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 it's and it's got that kind of vibe it's yeah. a, you know in a small town and i would yeah. i would say you could even include you know i think that's good you kind of opened my eyes to that i think that in in that you could probably because because the other one is just so brit centric it had me thinking all about that brit and ness of it all mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean if you're that kind of vibe i think that master of none would probably fall in there yeah. um and for some people so would atlanta um yeah. although that might be a little edgy for some folks but um I think Master of None falls into that like small universe and l- l- minor delights in life. Yep. Agreed. All right. Well, I think we have to end there tight and bright to let tight you get on with your many, many things that you have to do and <laughs> oh me with many things I've got to do. It's crazy. It's crazy. Well, I've got Apple's developer conference next week, so I'll be even crazier, but we'll still be back next week. We, we will try by hook or by yes. crook to be back for more TV talk. Then in the meantime, tweet at us at TVTM. Email us podcast at TVTalkMachine.com. Please email us. You can go to our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash TVTalkMachine, I think is how that works. And I'm Jay Snell on Twitter. Tim is Bastard Machine on Twitter. That's it. Until next week. Thanks, Tim. Woohoo! Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye.